Greatest art films of the 20th century and one of the most underrated is the TV theme tune. Asked to encapsulate the tone of a particular show in the space of normally less than a minute, the TV theme tune, alongside the collection of clips used to illustrate the show, was one of the most succinct and effective uses of music in the medium, sometimes even transcending the show itself and becoming hit in its own right. Be it the dulcet tones of Dennis Waterman crooning I could be so good for you on top of the pops and forever enshrining minder in the minds and hearts of people or the extended version of the theme from Twin Peaks by Julie Cruz arguably aiding in that show's cult status the TV theme pop song crossover is something that should not be underestimated. Even theme songs that were never meant to have lyrics, such as the theme to East Enders, were dutifully provided with them in an effort to propel the song up the pop charts. Granted, Anyone Can Fall In Love was not the best example of the crossover pop hit, but anyone who ever heard it remembers it, and only for the wrong reasons. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved the TV theme tune, and it's arguably one of my favourite forms of music. Sad, but true. Be it where everybody knows your name, which I know all the words to, including the ones not heard on the show, the unknown stuntman, likewise, or Suicide is Painless, good TV theme tunes have a great crossover appeal. What follows is a list of some of my favourite tunes, better associated with TV shows, but that work independently, and may even have had a life of their own away from the idiot's lantern. Some great and catchy themes were eliminated along the way, such as I See Them Long Hard Times to Come from Justified and We Used to Be Friends from Veronica Mars, as they were already songs before being co-opted into use for the show. Likewise, I'll Be There for You is far too famous to include here, but I make no apologies for liking it even 20 years later. It's a good, catchy pop tune, and you'd have to be a real curmudgeon not to at least appreciate it, even if you don't like it. This is by no means a comprehensive list. And looking at it now before recording, there are some notable omissions such as Hawaii Five-O and Twilight Zone, both classics, as are the themes from The Munsters and The Addams Family. But in this instant, I went from the gut and chose a baker's dozen. Thirteen top telly tunes that I never skip when they crop up on the iPod. In no particular order. Number 13, first up, one that tends to be overlooked but rarely mentioned on the best of telly tunes list, but one I think is an absolute classic. Barry DeVorzon and Michael Towers theme to Simon and Simon. One of the many detective shows that filled the TV schedules in the 1980s in the same way westerns were ubiquitous in the 60s, Simon and Simon were the names of two brothers, Rick and AJ, who ran a PI agency in San Diego. The show was mostly a light-hearted romp, although they did do serious episodes, and it coasted by on the charms of its lead actors, Gerald McCraney and Jameson Parker, and the theme, with its slide guitar and saxophone, perfectly captures the tone and feel of the show. If you imagine Rick opening a car door on a criminal running past and knocking him out, you're not far wrong. As far as I can gather, there has never been an official or clean release of this film, so this has had to be taken off YouTube. Enjoy! Uber 70s cut, gotcha. 
Over the course of its four-season run, Starsky and Hutch had three different theme tunes. The first season had a driving, hard-boiled theme by the king of the telly theme tune at that time, Lalo Schifrin. Schifrin cut his teeth in TV, composing memorable themes for Mannix and Mission Impossible, but it was the Dirty Harry movies that probably brought him to the attention of the producers for Starsky and Hutch. For the second season, however, they decided to go in a different direction. Enter saxophonist and jazz musician Tom Scott, who created the most memorable of the show's different themes. So memorable is this that not only did Scott rework it for a 1977 single himself, one he still plays live, but the James Taylor Orchestra also recorded a more funked-up version that was also a hit. Both are available to buy on iTunes and on various records, if that's the way you roll. But for me, the version that appeared every week, accompanied by the visual of that tricked-out 1974 Ford Torino screeching around corners and into deserted alleyways, is the version I always think of. Again, this is ripped directly from the DVDs, and as such, it's not clean, but I think the screeching tyres just add something to it. Carpenter composed some of the most memorable telly theme tunes ever to grace the medium. Immediately recognisable, eminently hummable, this, arguably the most memorable and hummable, evokes memories of Saturday tea time for anybody who grew up in the 80s. Full of bombast and swagger, this over-the-top and militaristic, gung-ho and unashamedly rousing theme tune is impossible to hear and not wonder who you'd turn to if you had a problem and no one else could help. Whatever the problem was, it would no doubt be solved by a few well-placed bullets, huge explosions and colourful characters. If all this is true, then maybe you could hire the A-Team. Available on multiple soundtracks, including the original TV score, this version is from the Napoleon Dynamite soundtrack. I love it when a plan comes together. urban wasteland and warehouses just ripe for car chases? Check. Lots of brown? Check. Hard-boiled dialogue like shut it you slag and get your trousers on. You're nicked. Check. Then it must be the Sweeney. 
The Sweeney Cockney rhyming slang for Sweeney Todd the Flying Squad was a man's cop show. Hard drinking, tough as nails, police detectives Regan and Carter scoured the London underworld throwing scum off the streets and into jail, although they lost just as often as they won. Men were men in the Sweeney and women were birds. It wasn't a very enlightened time, but if there is any show on this list of which it can truly be said they don't make them like that anymore, it's this one. Accompanying this orgy of masculinity was Harry South's wonderfully 70s theme tune. If this doesn't make you want to put the hammer down and screech around a few corners, there's no hope for you. Available in an extended version on the official Sweeney soundtrack album, again, my preferred version is the one that opened the show every week. Sometimes you don't even have to like a show to appreciate its theme tune. Such is the case with my next pick, W.G. Snuffy Waldron's theme to 30-something. I hated 30-something. A more self-obsessed group of whiny, self-involved narcissists you will never find on a major television show. Yet every week I tuned in for at least the first five minutes just to hear this lovely acoustic guitar-led theme. It's quite beautiful. Pity it's attached to such a risible show, but nowadays it's more recognisable from the Sainsbury's commercials. There was a 30-something soundtrack released back in the day, and this extended version of the theme comes from that album. theme to the Patrick McGowan 60s spy series Danger Man. Criminally altered for US screenings of the show, Highwire encapsulates everything that's great about those magnificent 60s shows with cool theme tunes, normally made by ITC. From Randall and Hopkirk deceased to the Avengers through the Saint and via the Champions, 60s spy shows had the best themes, and this, for me, is the cream of the crop. It's available on numerous compilation albums, and I urge you to go and check it out. Listeners to my other show, Hey Kids Comics, may recognise this one.
number seven. Ron Grainer has arguably the greatest TV genre credit in history as the main composer of the theme to Doctor Who, although the version that finally erred owes a great deal to the work of Delia Derbyshire. But Grainer's other great theme tune, that of Patrick McGowan's loose follow-up to Danger Man and the Prisoner, is equally brilliant and just as wonderful in its own right. For one, it had to hold the audience's attention through the longest opening credit sequence in the history of television. For two, it came in an era when the opening credit sequence told a story and wasn't a collection of clips just to set up the show. In both of these cases, Grainer succeeds with aplomb. The prisoner's mix of 60s cool and well-cut credits are compelling every single week. Sadly, I can only play the theme for you, a feeling available on the Prisoner soundtrack album File Number 1. now, also from the pens of the wonderfully prolific Mike Post and Pete Carpenter. First up, The Rockford Files. This theme was a top ten smash for the duo, and perfectly encapsulates its hero, P.I. Jim Rockford, and his world of low lives and femme fatales through the use of harmonica, electric guitar, and mini Moog synthesizer. It captured the seedier side of L.A. that Rockford operated in magnificently. The flip side of The Rockford Files was Magnum P.I., Whilst Magnum was no less human than Jim Rockford, he operated in the far brighter climes of Hawaii. Whilst the sun in LA is no less sunny, Rockford's tone was that of the old pulps, whereas Magnum was sold as living in paradise. 
To that end, Post and Carpenter emphasise the action and scenery of Hawaii, aided by the opening credit shot. Gone were the noir-infused shots of Rockford going about his daily business, and in were speeding Ferraris, Hawaiian girls in bikinis, and fourth-wall-breaking shots of Tom Selleck as Thomas Magnum, executing the perfect slide out of the mansion gateway. If Rockford was a little more down-to-earth, Magnum was pure wish-fulfillment, and Post and Carpenter's perfect theme captures the tone of the show. Oddly, this wasn't the first theme for Magnum P.I., but it's by far the best. Finally, Post goes solo for probably the biggest commercial hit of his career. Aided by Stephen Geyer, who provided the lyrics and sung by Joey Scarberry, Believe It or Not was a genuine phenomenon when released, easily eclipsing the show it came from, The Greatest American Hero, and becoming a smash hit in its own right. It's a little sappier than I usually like my songs to be, but any song that my daughter and I can harmonise together has to be worth a spot in the show. All three of these songs are available commercially, with Believe It or Not recently released on the soundtrack to 40-Year-Old Virgin. The theme to The Rockford File is available on iTunes and numerous compilation CDs, as is the theme to Magnum P.I. All are worth paying for.
Jerry Anderson shows throughout the 60s had some of the best theme tunes in the business, always provided by Barry Gray. From the beginning of Super Marionation, Gray composed the themes to Torchy, Fireball XL5, Stingray and others before contributing his most memorable themes thus far with Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons and the sublime Thunderbirds. In the late 1960s, however, Anderson made the move away from puppets and into live action and contacted Gray to provide the music. As great as Thunderbirds is, and it is, UFO is Barry Gray's pinnacle in the TV theme tune stakes. It's exciting, fast-paced, frenetic, and oh-so-sixties. The theme is available on iTunes and numerous Fanderson albums and CDs. But to save you the trouble of finding it, although I still urge you to go and buy it, here it is.
screen starts black and then in staccato squares jerkily fills the square image with a shot of New York City. But not the tourist-friendly New York City of today, rather the seedier, grimy New York of the Death Wish movies or the Daredevil comic books. Following that first image, we swoop down through the concrete canyons of a deeply scarred and predatory New York, and the viewers are bombarded with images of human cruelty and man preying on woman. Fear pervades every single shot, from the young girl who misses the subway train with the man following her, to the dark city streets with predators around every corner, before we see our guardian angel. Stood before his Jaguar XJS, a man in silhouette watches dispassionately as the camera swoops around him as the show's title appears. The Equalizer. The man looks directly into the camera as his face stands revealed, and Edward Woodward receives his credit. It's one of the finest opening credit sequences in television, yet it would be nothing without the daringly different score by former member of the police, Stuart Copeland. Drumbeats and harmonica was a daring combination in the era of Post and Carpenter, but it worked. The Equalizer's theme, and indeed its entire score, was so different to everything else it was either going to fall on its face or become an instant classic. Fortunately, it was the latter. There is a reworked version, busy equalising on Stuart Copeland's album The Equalizer and Other Cliffhangers, but this is the original ripped from the DVD. Got a problem? Odds against you? Call the Equalizer. We've saved the best for last. Sylvester Levy's synth-led score for 80s action show Erwolf is an unbridled classic. And whilst the others on this list are in no particular order, this is undeniably my favourite TV theme tune of all time, and arguably one of the best. It works as a pulse-pounding classic divorced from the show, but when accompanied by the visuals of arguably the greatest of the TV vehicles, or if it's not, it's certainly up there with the Viper, the General Lee, Kit and Thunderbird 2, it's a magnificent pulse-pounding theme that perfectly encapsulates the wolf in sheep's clothing that was the Lady in Flight. This version was bought off erwolfthemes.com and I urge you to go and check out the work Mark Carnes has done over there to bring the Erwolf soundtrack to the world. Kick in the turbos, Dom.
So, nowhere near a comprehensive list. I never even got into the wonderful kids' shows theme tunes like Rhubarb and Custard, or even the sports shows that have great theme tunes. And I think we're all just accepting of the fact that Doctor Who's theme is clearly magnificent. Nevertheless, I hope I've provided you with some great memories from an era where within a minute you could tell if this was a show for you. I think it's sad that the TV theme tune has gone away. Only the cable stations that have less advertising time still have them. And it's true that in those cases, shows like Dexter and Game of Thrones have excellent themes. But other shows like Leverage, Burn Notice on Supernatural are lacking something by not having a kick-ass opening theme. Uh, before we call it a day today, tonight, this evening, whenever you're listening to this, uh, I have a letter and an awesome present. Oh yeah, Anya's here. Say hello, Anya. She's my co-host for the email section of this show. Today's actual letter is from Ron Sadowski, who is my new favourite person. Because he gave it... Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. His letter actually says, I just wanted to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. So I don't know when he posted it, because there's no date on it. I have enjoyed the Palace of Glittering Delights tremendously. I was never able to get into Hey Kids comics. I listened to a number of shows, but never catches my fancy. But Glittering does, and how. Maybe because my first love was sci-fi movies and TV. I remember being four and my dad telling my brother we were going to go to the movies that night because they were showing Run Silent, Run Deep, the greatest submarine movie ever. So we went and we got to see Silent Running. Oops, Silent Running's great. You never watched Silent Runner? No. It's got the little robots, Huey Dewey and Lewis, the dead cute little Huey Dewey. It's very hippy-dippy. It's very, save the, where's the... Whales, but not whales, because they're out in space and it's ecology and all that stuff. But the robots are lovely. Space whales. Save the space whales, yes. Exactly right. Uh, But after that, continues Ron, I knew I had to look at all the movie listings as well as the TV listings to find sci-fi to watch. I know I tried to watch every science fiction TV and movie made between 75 and 85, and back then that was almost doable. So any discussion about those properties puts a smile on my face. Now I have matured and my tastes have changed. I now like science fiction and hot babes. Hope you enjoy and have a great new year. Be seeing you, Ron Sadowski from the Dinner for Geeks podcast, which is available on this illustrious internet radio network, Two True Freaks. But anyway, enough of that. Look what he sent me. Look, he says, it's an audio medium. Ron sent me a die-cast Ertl Erwolf carded. It's still on the card. Now, you know the problem with this. I have to decide whether to to take it off the card to play with it. So I can go... Like that, and okay. have it rise from the hollowed mountain and say cool stuff like, Give me the chain guns and the EDF pod, offensive weapons panel, right rear, kick in the turbos, Dom, pop a sunburst, all of that stuff. Like what do you mean, like again? <laughs> Don't stop being a child. So that is beyond awesome. Um, my only difficult decision now is to decide whether or not to open it because I so want to. I just want to run around the house with it going, because that would be awesome, would it not? So thank you so very, very much, Mr. Ron Sadowski. I will forgive you for not liking Hey Kids comics, and this is just fantastic. <laughs> I own an werewolf. It's gonna go on the uh, it's gonna go on the bookshelf next to Kit, the Batmobile, and the Bat the Viper from uh, from Battlestar Galactica. So that is just too cool for school, isn't it? I like that very much. Thank you so very, very much. While I'm here recording an addendum to this episode, I may as well do some emails. Mark Adams has emailed in V for Olympics. Uh, Mark says, I do like your show, which in my head I call the Nostalgia Podcast, as you talk of things I remember and fill in some of the contextual blanks that not paying attention leave me with. You also have a good way with words and descriptions. Well, we thank him, don't we? You, you're just, you just carry on with your own, my love. You just, you just get on with it. I, too, remember V in the UK. The choice between watching sports and watching science fiction was not a hard one in the days before that many sci-fi shows were on. The shark-jumping moment was when they did their version of the lightsaber dueling, but it was a joy to have sci-fi on TV at all. I watched V whilst on a family holiday in Jersey. Not the exotic-sounding New Jersey that so many American folk talk about, but the John Nettles-themed just-off-France island. The one where Bergerac was set. The show that will always be to me a UK clone of Magnum P.I., playboy detective solving crime on an exotic island whilst driving a sports car. And further proof, play the Magnum theme over the Bergerac opening credits and they merge. 
Or I may have had one too many mince pies that is affecting my judgement. Anyway, keep up with the nostalgia and talk about what you want to talk about, because it's working for me. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Never really watched Bergerac. Never get into Bergerac. You, you have no idea what Bergerac is, do you? Yeah, you know what Erwolf is? Yes. Which basically means I am a great parent. <laughs> you know facial expressions don't work in an audio medium? That's why you did it. Next email's Jason. Jason Trainer. Hello, Jason. Greetings, Jason says. I rather enjoyed this episode and the science fiction discussed in it. Uh, he's talking about the Forbidden Planet episode that I did just before Christmas. Uh, though, seriously, BBC showed Minority Report? There has to be a lot of classic sci-fi films or Transformers the movie for after the robots-themed SF retrospective episode available. Oh, well. On Forbidden Planet, it is nice to see a thinking man's science fiction movie that it tanked at the time and later would gain praise is not surprising. About the Space 1999 theme, I can say this. It does not go well with my cat howling because you're the only person to pay any attention to her at night. She made a noise again as I wrote that sentence. And I'd have to agree, mostly being able to listen to you talk about TV of the 70s, 80s, 90s, all day, and not be bored of it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a short one, but you stated everything. Wreck and rule, my friend, Jason. It was a short one for Jason, and it didn't have too many references that I didn't understand. Which is nice. <laughs> uh, final email to clean out the sack for the moment. Chris Franklin has emailed in. Hello, Andy. Hello, Christopher. I have Forbidden Planet sitting on my DVR recorded off of Turner Classic Movies some time ago, and now I think I'm going to have to watch it. It's been years since I sat down and watched all the way through, and your coverage of it has made it a necessity to do so in a timely fashion. I've still never seen one minute of Space 1999, but that episode sounds interesting, and I know it's the one you mentioned having some similarities to the one of the Star Trek annuals we talked about. Mmm. Well, that's a little tease, lovely listener, because that episode with Chris and I talking about Trek is upcoming. Stay tuned. Chris concludes, I'm always fascinated by TV shows getting cobbled into feature films. You guys seem to get that more than we did, although we had our fair share of those types of things in the 50s and 60s. Heck, Adventures of Superman episodes were strung together to make several theatrical releases. And that's from... Chris Franklin. Well, I think um, the reason for that is you get your TV pretty straight away, whereas we always had to wait for it. And certainly with uh, Galactica, Universal shot themselves in the foot. They didn't just embargo the pilot like they did with Buck Rogers, which didn't matter too much because ITV still had a two-hour episode to open the series, The Plot to Kill a City. But with Galactica, they embargoed the entire series. So ITV wanted to show it at a, a time when it was still timely, when Star Wars was still hot and all of that stuff, but Universal wouldn't let them. So by the time ITV did show it, the bloom had gone off the rose somewhat, because I don't remember Galactica being shown in my region anyway, which was Granada, until easily 81, 82. I know Dirk Benedict was in the A-team by the time our region showed Galactica. Okay, thank you very much. We're going to close out our top telly theme tunes episode with one that almost made the list. Stephen Geyer and Mike Post joined forces together again for something that wasn't quite as big a hit, hit as Believe It or Not. I'm walking on her for the theme from Hardcastle and McCormick. Here's Drive for some 80s top rock synthy bang your head stuff. Shall we sing Thingy Up? Believe It or Not. Um, you normally join in with that. Oh, you're so useless. As soon as I press stop, you'll you'll sing, won't you? Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. Give me a kiss. Bye-bye.
Chance again.